You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, well, Jason Daniels. Hey. Good evening. Well, thanks for coming. Let's get right into it. We got a lot of topics today, a lot, a lot of topics, uh, but we'll talk Kansas first, NIS. Overall, I would say not a great experience. Uh, I'll start out. Um, again, we got some help from an anonymous donor, uh, a friend of the podcast with some setups, and we certainly appreciate that. It really made the uh, week go better overall, even though the results really don't speak for much, but... Um, Wednesday fixed, P10, my best result of the week, uh, was the first race of the week, and uh, P10, I got door slammed and pushed into the wall early, Uh, that seemed to be a reoccurring theme throughout the week, Uh, 50 seconds damage there, I I hit the wall by myself like a thousand times, it felt like uh, 0x kind of hit, Uh, it's really hard to pass, um, it's single file. You can run on the bottom, and there were some people that were making it work. I was not one of those. I thought the fixed uh, set was fairly tight. Overall, though, P10, I fought for it, and uh, it was a good run. Uh, then I ran the open. Uh, not a bad run going. I was running pretty good, I think, like 10th, 15th. Then wrecked out on a restart on lap 113. It had a blown engine from that, so... I don't even know where I finished. And then Jason, you ran on Thursday. I was I had to miss it. I worked. Yeah, I got my fixed in one Thursday night. Um, David Flowers were were running. Uh, Kansas just has not been a track that I've been comfortable with. Just haven't been able to find kind of the sweet spot. I ended up. Doing what one of the things that frustrates me most is I just wrecked myself. I didn't get anyone help, any help. I didn't get hit by anybody. I just got loose coming out of four, uh, overcorrected and put it into the wall. Uh, I ended up P20 for that race. Uh, there was a lot less attrition than I, than I normally see, but uh, P20 out of 34, uh, didn't lose too much I rating, but uh, I'm very glad to be out of Kansas. How did David run? I believe uh, David ended up wrecking as well. Uh, yeah, I that's do, what I, I remember. I do not have his result offhand, but I'll get it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he had a good run. Uh, then Sunday I ran, uh, fixed, P23. I actually got wrecked out three different times. And what got me this night was like nobody said sorry out of all the three different people that moved up from the bottom into me as I was right against the wall and had nowhere to go. Um, nobody says sorry, and it kind of bugged me. I was just like, okay, man, one out of three, you would kind of expect at least one guy out of three is going to be enough of a gentleman just to say the words, hey, you know, I'm sorry, I was tight. I got it in there a little too deep. It came up. I'm so sorry. You know, something like that. Nothing, 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 nothing. And uh, I was kind of spouting off on the radio about it. Uh, but it is what it is. And I guess that's the way the uh, uh, times are these days. I do need to make a real big correction. Uh, David Flowers did not wreck out. He actually finished P4 that, th- that Thursday night. Oh, uh, so nice. gained a good 66 I rating. Uh, and he he was not out of not out of the race really at any point. Uh, not in the lead pack to finish, but uh, finished four seconds back on the lead lap. So P four for David. Nice nice run for him. Then he got the best result of the week. Uh, Justin Laird he also runs Sunday with me. Uh, he got wrecked out too. P twenty for him. Uh, same situation he said. Uh, the guy wrecked him and didn't say he was sorry. And so that was kind of the theme of that night. Um, tough week. Um, so we're headed into Martinsville next. What do you think about the short track? I've gotten my best results on short tracks, but the, this little paperclip is a little monster. So 
it's going to take a lot more practice than I've put in so far, uh, but I'll get there. I'm still pretty far off pace, probably a second off pace uh, or so, but uh, it will be a wreck fest. It will be a war of attrition for sure, uh, but I was able to survive that at Bristol, so we'll see what we can do. I'm, I'm kind of bummed. I got a bunch of stuff tomorrow. I got a doctor's appointment. I got to go to my stepdaughter's concert thing. And I'm going to miss both races, I, it looks like, tomorrow. And the way my new work schedule is, that means I can only run Sunday fix. So I'm not even going to get a start in the open for Martinsville. So it'll end up being a drop week, but uh, darn it. I've kind of gotten through this. Now, that's a challenge of the NIS series, too. It Being a 36-week season, to try to get a start in every week in the series for all 36 weeks it's a challenge in itself, and you only have so many drop weeks, so you want to really try to get points every week no matter what. And uh, it's tough when you, your schedule doesn't work out or life happens and you miss a week, And uh, but that's kind of part of it, you know. And that's why, you know, when you finish good in the points at the end of the season, it's even more special, so... Uh, yeah, Martinsville's coming. So I'll have one start. Looks like Sunday fixed. All right, let's move on. Uh, we had a patch. I'll take up the first topic as we go into topics of season four, patch three. Uh, came out October 23rd. I had to update today when I woke up uh, and fired up iRacing, and it was a pretty small one. As far as uh, what it was, uh, easy anti-cheat. Uh, basically need to be reinstalled and at the end of the iRacing install uh, a new window pops up that installs the uh, easy anti-cheat and you have to click on it. It was really quick uh, but there was some kind of problem with that so they had to uh, put out this patch. But they also did uh, some stuff to the GT3 cars. It looks like there was some balance of performance on some cars but uh, mainly the tires have been updated to better replicate the degradation characteristics of tires provided by Pirelli for the 2017 series. That sentence right there, while hard to say, that shows just how realistic iRacing looks to make it. They're working on degradation characteristics. I don't, I don't know that any other product on market cares about degradation char characteristics. Well... And it almost sounds like, you know, based on the tire manufacturer itself, because Pirelli tires are a little different than what we have currently modeled, so they're tweaking it. That's the way I kind of read it. Very interesting. Um, and then at Eldora, they had to fix a texturing issue with the grandstand crowds. All right, what's next? Next up we got a post about heat races uh, lots of questions about heat races that's really uh, sparking up the uh, forums here uh, so the question was what happens if you get damage in a heat race you get a you get a new car for the main and tyler hudson came in uh, you do get uh, new cars after heats and consolation races caution laps do still count and you can set it up to where there are cautions in the feature but not in the heat races as well. So they're going to have some real good customization features for the heat races and make it very, very, very realistic, just like you can see it at the local tracks as far as how the features are going to roll out. Yeah, it's, it's very, uh, well, robust. Like you said, there's lots of options. It does say also only one round of heat races per event I believe you can score champ points by winning heat races and even qualifying. Uh, bonus points is what he's talking about. Um, there's also uh, Randy Cassidy posted about this as well from the iRacing staff. And he said, you can specify separately whether points are scored for any, each, all of the qualifying, the heats, and the consolation races. If points are specified, if, excuse me, if points are specified to be awarded in the qualifying heat or consolations, they are done similar to the USAC point system. And so they've literally designed it after USAC and how they're doing it with the, uh, you know, dirt cars and stuff. 
this heat system, I think, is it, it's really it's really kind of sneaking under the radar, but it's it's actually going to be a pretty big item. Uh, kind of got lost in the in the hype of Rallycross, but uh, it it looks to be one of the more complex coding projects that they've had for a while. Yeah, exactly. And this is going to affect, you know, the short track pavement oval series, you know, um, it's going to affect all anything short track, dirt, oval, pavement, whatever, as well as Rallycross. And so you, it really is a broader project than you think. It's not just for rally. And that's what they're talking about. So, like, they're going to do USAC points. So, like, if you're running, you know, sprints or late models on, a, you know, South Boston Oval, you know, we're going to have heat races now. And then there's going to be a consolation race and, and, and so forth. So, it's pretty cool how it's uh, all shaping up. All right, next topic. Um, a new guy, I haven't seen this guy in the forums before, but his name is Doug Hunt Jr. He's a staff at iRacing. He must be new. He's only posted five times on the forums. But uh, he posted up, hey, we're going to the SEMA show in Las Vegas uh, here shortly, and we'll be showcasing iRacing, looking for our members uh, for assistance. And what they're looking for is paints, uh, appropriate paints that basically don't you know violate some kind of licensing agreement you know what i mean like a actual sponsor on them uh those kind of things like uh so a lot of people uh posted against this forum and uh offered up all kinds of paints of uh various cars they're really looking for a b and c um but uh yeah if you have something to offer them up you might check out that thread it says paints for sema They're looking for a pretty large amount of skins. They're looking for four unique skins per race car. Looking for the the Ford, Chevy, and Toyota A and B cars, Chevy and Toyota C cars, all the GT3 cars, the GTE cars, the Porsche, a few of the dirt, the Formula Renault 2.0. They're looking for quite a few quite a few paints for a whole bunch of different cars. So it's going to be a pretty good showcase that they put together. Yeah. And uh, based on what I'm seeing, they don't have all those paints based on the forum responses. So uh, give them some help, folks. Let's give them the best paints they can show. If you're a painter, it, it says basically you can just email them to doug.hunt at iracing.com. H-U-N-T. So cool. What's next? Next up, we've got a UI preview update and time attack update. A uh, little update got pushed out on the 19th. Uh, updated the navigation to be along the left-hand side and added the car painter uh, under garage, the sp specific car you're looking for, and car painter. So you can now paint your cars in the new UI. Uh, also fixed that some members are having trouble getting time attack to launch. And they have resolved that. Uh, results for time attack should now load properly. And the first iteration of team management is available. It's definitely a work in progress. Uh, the replace page should stop asking you to buy content that you've already bought. Uh, microtransactions attacking. Uh, the alert bar now displays at the top of the page and won't cover or prevent interaction with other UI elements. And the time attack UI was breaking under certain data circumstances with starting competitions. Uh, a couple hosted race bug fixes in series race sessions should now be visible to those members that need them. So this is all the new UI stuff. Uh, I haven't touched this in a long time. <laughs> the The main thing that I had been shying away from it was trusting it. Uh, and we haven't seen much negative on the forums about it being broken. Uh, I, I think I'm going to start trying to use it some, especially with a car painter already in, already there, uh, to see what differences it has with the website and, and to see where they're going with it. Yeah. Well, at least they're you know still hammering on it, obviously. They're adding stuff to it that was missing, like the car painting and so forth. And uh, 
I don't know. I, you know, I like the website. It's simple. I've, I've talked about it before. It doesn't load down my graphics card, which is really my biggest problem with it. Um, so, okay, next topic. Old podcast and team member, ex-team member Carlos Fonseca posted up in the forums in the Kansas post-race uh, discussion about the NIS race. Hey, are they ever going to address the 190 mile per hour corner speed while also being slower down the straights compared to the real cars in NASCAR? And he brings up a good point. You know, Kansas is broken and it, you know, even though the bottom worked and, and whatnot, it's still broken as far as speeds and how it compares to actual, the real NASCAR cars. The last time we were here, I actually think it was worse than this time. Uh, Tyler Hudson did chime in on this thread that in the overcast race, there was plenty of time to be made on the bottom and even the middle. So back the last time we were here, the dynamic track was was broken, which we didn't really know at that time. We kind of suspected it, but it came out for sure that it was broken. So I think the dynamic track being fixed helped some of it. But I agree, it's just not close enough. Something's just off about Kansas, and I can't put my finger on it. Yeah, for sure. Um, we need Steve Reese back. We need that that engineer guy that used to work for Roush, who worked for iRacing, and he was really you know, tuning and tweaking this car, this A car, to really match those NASCAR cars, and he did a really good job there for a while. And then he left. He went back and got another job in NASCAR, and uh, and nobody's touched these things since that I know of, really. So, but there's something weird here, yeah. And Carlos is right. All right, what's next? Next up, a whole lot of conversation on the new pro format. Uh, this was a pretty sizable thread. Uh, that Tyler was very, uh, very involved in. A lot of great arguments that there were in a, uh, a poll went up on the forums about new pro format discussion, and it got a lot of great arguments here. Uh, Tyler said, it's good to have these type of discussions. I'm just going to say the Peak Series will not become a series open to everyone to make a race based on qualifying. We already have this. It's the NIS. It's a privilege to be in peak, not one's right. It's an invite series, and it's not a hidden fact. It is not for everyone. There are clear ways for each individual here to achieve a spot in that series, and everyone has to go through the same process. The process on how to get to that level is a healthy debate. I hope to have more on that soon. Yeah, this was, uh, boy, some sit-down reading. There were tons of pages and lots of uh, back and forth. Uh a guest of the podcast in the past, uh, John Hammer, uh, was playing foil uh, in, in this discussion a lot and really, you know, kind of pointing out some of the flaws and of different people's, you know, questions about how this is going to work and, and whatnot. So basically the thread started with somebody suggesting some ideas about how it should work. And then Tyler pretty much came in and said, you know what, we've already kind of said it, and this is how it's going to be. And and so let's get into that a little bit. Uh, let me find it here. I got it. So, up, so. Yeah, so it's he, he says the 2814 is going to be, so you're going to have the Road to Pro Series, and then you're going to have the Pro Series, and then you're going to have the Peak Series. Okay, so let's go through them. Uh, Jason, tell me about Road to Pro. So Road to Pro Series is going to be a series that will run opposite Tuesday's Peak Series at the same start time. This series will be open to everyone Class A except WCS license holders. So if you already have a license, you can't run it. So Class A and up using the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. The schedule will follow the real truck series when applicable. Otherwise, it will follow the Peak schedule. For example, Peak runs Daytona Week 1. This series would run Daytona Week 1. This series will be split based on the I rating and will include 40 truck splits. The top 20 or, or 30 overall in points at the end of the season will advance to the Pro Series. Yeah, and the Pro Series then will start. And, 
it'll be made up of the top finishers from the Road to Pro and the trucks. And it'll also include the top 20 demoted from the Peak Series at the conclusion of the 2018 season. These drivers will be given a pro license, and only pro license holders can race in this series. The series will run a schedule similar to the current Pro Series schedule, and it will utilize the Xfinity B car. The top 20 at the end of the season will be eligible for an invite to peak. So, before I go into the next part, realize what we just said. They want us to run trucks. Then you're going to run Xfinity, and then you can move into the A car for peak if you can get there. So that's a total huge, huge change from where it is right now. So let's remind everybody where is it at right now before we Tyler type this was <laughs> we were just going to run Tuesday night starting November 7th, which is coming up really soon, you know, in about three weeks from now or so, two or three weeks. And we were going to run Tuesday nights through the winter. And the top 10 of those people were going to move on to peak and the whole thing's over. But now we're going to do something totally different. We're going to run trucks. We're going to run Xfinity. And then you could run the A car. Um, so a lot of people on the, on the thread are for or against this uh, it, it kind of was a mix uh i would say roughly 50 50 but um as i stated before you know john hammer did a good job playing foil in this discussion um basically you know putting up a little not an opposition but you know the same kind of concerns i have is i love the a car this is why i run nis and stuff and why i like to run road to pro and all that it's the a car it's the car i run and now well forget that now you got to be good in the trucks and then you got to be really good in xfinity and so all these teams that are geared up that you know all these higher i rating people are all gathered into teams they're all focused on the a car and now all of a sudden all these teams are having to say okay wait a minute now we got to start running trucks. We got to start making setups for trucks. We got to, you know, change our focus here. Uh, we got to regroup. And so this is huge news. And also to clarify, this is for 2018. The Road to Pro Series that's happening uh, starting in November is still going on just like it always has. So the top oh, okay. ten, the top ten from this November to January series will be eligible to get into peak. Then once peak starts next year, that's when that road to pro will start. Yeah, and there's other comments that indicate if you read between the lines, this is kind of this direction has kind of come down from above from NASCAR, peak and other interested parties like that. And Tyler pretty much said, you know, if NASCAR says they want you to do a car progression, then you you find a way to make it work. And I suppose he's probably right. You know, if we're trying to be an eSport, if we're trying to be that fourth series in NASCAR, uh, I don't know. I, I'm not really, in, you know, personally, I, I don't want to run the trucks and the Xfinity. Now, I might just because that might be where all the people are. You know, I like to run where there's a lot of people. And so the NIS is a very popular series. It turns out people have posted uh, numbers on the truck series. And they're actually, the truck series is a bit more popular. Um, a lot of people run the trucks. And I didn't really know that. But um, so who knows? You know, what do I know? Uh, well, I guess we'll find out. Probably the concern that I have the most is they, they say they're running the pro, Road to Pro series at the same time as Peak. Isn't that your target watching audience for the Peak Series? No, it's or, opposite weekend. So Peak runs every other Tuesday. Uh, my apologies. I misread that. Yeah. So what they do is the opposite week of, of when they run. So you're right. Uh, but, yeah, it's interesting. So those teams that have a Peak driver, 
they got to support their peak driver with an A setup, an A car setup, but the rest of the team is in the truck series on opposite Tuesdays, so they got to work on a truck's setup too. That's what I'm getting at. It's going to change the dynamic in these teams for sure. So, all right, we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. Um, I was going to pipe in and just say, look, I'd rather just stay, keep everything. I like Tyler's idea, but let's do it in the A car for all of it. Not in the trucks and the B car. That's the part I don't like. All right, moving on. Uh, next topic. There's a new job available at iRacing if you want to get a job in Bedford, Massachusetts. Uh, it's called the User Experience and Support Manager. Uh, the ideal candidate is creative and well-versed in racing games. The candidate is experienced in game design and or user experience, support tools, and materials for customers. And so, yeah, kind of an interesting... Uh, Job description here. Probably one of the highlights that intrigues me is assist in developing rules, process, and documentation for iRacing. Uh, we, we have a lot of different rules already when it comes to the sporting code. We're going to be adding more, more rules with heat races. So it looks like they're looking for this person to really increase that documentation and make it all make sense. The, it's uh, kind of non-existent, you know? Yeah, the, the way they calculate championship points is you search the forum for someone that's talked about it before. Yep, that, that's exactly right. It's non-existent. That'd be great to have. And it's got to be interactive. It can't just be a PDF. They bury a link somewhere. I mean, it needs to be... They need to be presenting the rules while this game is loading, you know, like they flash them onto the screen in a short video or something. I don't know. They got to present it differently. Uh, is, I mean, the sporting code, I mean, how many iRacers have actually read through the document, you know, and it's like reading a legal document. So it's really hard to understand or, or at least keep interest in, you know. All right, what's next? Next was a thread about the draft on trucks. Uh, Brandon Crutz came in and said, not talking about super speedway draft, but the draft on the 1.5-mile track seems quite weak to me compared to real life. Anyone else notice the same? And then a little iRacer named Chase Briscoe says, biggest thing we need is side drafting, but I agree drafting in general is more extreme. I think he would know. Yeah, he's the uh, he's in the Craftsman Truck Series in real life. Chase Briscoe, I think he's got to win this year. Uh, boy, pretty good input when you get a real NASCAR driver who actually races the trucks saying, yeah, we need more side drafting in these trucks to match the real model. Uh, boy, iRacing needs to bite in on that and make some adjustments, obviously. I, I know they, they do work closely with a lot of drivers and... Uh, I can't think of a better one to work with in the, than in the truck series. So pretty cool. Uh, next up, uh, Logan Clampett from the Peak Series, uh, Peak Driver. He finished second, I believe, this year in the in the points. Uh, he posted up uh, in the uh, Pro Series forums, Oval Pro Predictions forum post, and basically presented a list of names of who he thinks or who his predictions are to make it into the uh, next running of the Peak Series. And uh, pretty interesting to kind of look through the names and see if there are people I've raced with before and stuff. And it's quite a long list. He's got like, uh, I don't know, 60 names on this list. And so other people obviously have uh, replied to the forum post as well and gave their predictions. And uh, some of them are kind of comical, and some are real. Most are realistic, but uh, kind of a fun thread to read. I like how involved the community is in just trying to pick who they think the best in the community is when they're being serious. When they're being joking, sometimes I miss the joke because I'm not this good. But when when they're being serious, I I, I really think it's interesting to kind of see the insight 
of the drivers that race against each other all the time, week in, week out. Which ones of this group that we see all the time? Who's going to make next level? Who am I going to follow up there? Who's going to pass me on the way? Yeah. Yeah, longer and you're you're on the service, uh, the more likely you've run with these people. You know, like uh, there's a couple peak drivers that are in the peak series now that I ran with, you know, three years ago in a league called Nordgar. And, and uh, back then I had, you know, they didn't have a clue that they would be a peak driver, you know, three years later. I'm sure they didn't. But uh, it's kind of interesting because you get to know people. All right, what's next? Next, we have the announcement of the winner of the poll for the next dirt track that will go into production, and that is Kokomo Speedway. Uh, it's a nice little write-up on worldofoutlawsprint.com. Uh, got some some quotes from Steve Myers that it was a fun to get dirt track fans involved in the decision process. And ultimately, we will build all six tracks, but it is great to have input from the community as to what they want next. So right now, I have Eldora, Williams Grove, Volusia, Lanier, and USA, with Knoxville slated to be released in, de- released in December. Uh, we got Kokomo coming up, a uh, dirt track at Charlotte, and Limeland Motorsports Park are also in production and slated for early 2018 releases wow that's quite a list i mean the volume of tracks they're putting out is pretty high i mean it's they've been busy and it shows again just how how all all in they were on this dirt experience i mean to me i i'm i have not been like a dirt racing fan i don't go to races and everything i don't have a whole lot of knowledge on on dirt racing um, I was figuring five, six different tracks would probably kind of whet the appetite for everyone, but we're, we're pushing ten, going more. They're, they're not like they're not laying on their laurels at all on this. They're going to yeah. keep going. And it's pretty amazing to see the following it gets. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to get dirt eventually. I'm just going to have to do it once that license comes out. Yeah, I'm kind of waiting for the license, too, before I really jump back into it. Um, and then they have four or five rally you know, tracks coming, too, at the same time. You know, So, yeah, they're real busy. So it's amazing that you know, the volume they're getting it done. Uh, I, I didn't expect them to release them this quickly, you know, one after another. But they're really getting it done. Great uh, work there. Uh, next up. Uh, we There was a question posted in iRacing Drivers World by Patrick Colby. It's just a fun question for everybody. He says, I went into a bit of a slump in the past two weeks. Couldn't get a top 10 to save my life. Just kept wrecking out and couldn't seem to catch a break. When I struggle, I step away for a week or so, and it seems to help me. I just finished six at Kansas. What do you guys do when you're in a slump? So what Stop do you think? I thought this was an interesting question to me because to me, I feel like I am in a slump uh, that I've kind of been constantly I rating going down and, and not seeing a whole lot of positive I rating races for me on the oval side. And I just started racing road Mazdas. I don't know why I don't think I'm a like, I didn't think I'm better at road races or anything, uh, but just something different something I hadn't done in a while. I tried it when I first did, uh, when I first got started in iRacing, and I, I really decided that oval was going to be my forte. It's just amazing. It, it was amazing to me how much I've been able to take what I've learned from oval and I was able to apply it to the Mazdas. And I actually finished up second in one of the Mazda splits that I did this week. So that was my first second in iRacing at all, much less on the road. Uh, and I ran a pretty clean race, which I haven't been running. And, and it's, it's just like it was kind of an eye-opener to put what you've learned and what you've experienced in a different way and to translate it over to the road and see how that translates. Now what I did there on the road, I'm going to try to bring back to Martinsville with the tight corners and the precise braking. So that that's what I've been doing. Nice run. 
Uh, that's a good way to build uh, I rating, though. I know that we're kind of thinking about doing a 24-hour Daytona run, but uh, and you're kind of getting ready for that. Uh, as far as the slump question, you know, I, I just my answer is I just wait for the next week because that's the way the NASCAR season rolls. You just, you know, the weeks move no matter what. You know, you're going on to the next track and and so forth. And like I said, you don't try to miss any, you know, because you don't want to give anything up. So uh, slumps are hard. You know, uh, it seems like it. it's a luck thing. I call it a racing luck thing. You know, I, you can have bad racing luck for several weeks in a row, and then you can go the other way. And that's kind of how it rolls for me. Um, like, I'll get caught up, you know, in racks for weeks in a row, and, and my eye rating will dive, and everything will happen. But then, you know, I turn it around at some point, and it builds back up, and I start getting good runs, and it happens. So, all right, next up. No, you're up. So, thread about being black flagged on ovals uh, from Simon Woodson. Uh, it used to be a gentleman's agreement that if you had to stop on track during your race, say to go to the bathroom, you'd have the common courtesy to do it after the pit road entrance. I myself have used this quirk in the rules many times to my benefit, but sadly, I must say, it has to go. People are pulling over on the backstretch even during repair laps, and not realizing what they're doing to everyone else in the race who needs a legitimate pit. The worst part is half the time, if you're the guy following, you don't even realize you are until you get the black flag. And a very quick response from Nim Cross is, this has been something that would bring a one-week suspension if protested from the very beginning of us going live. Nobody may stop on the track to go run an errand P or whatever reason. It causes problems for others and race control. It will always be a minimum of one week suspension. If you need to go do something, pit. Well, there you go. That's pretty clear. Pretty darn clear. Don't park during a race unless you're on pit road. It, it, you will get suspended if somebody protests that. And that is protestable. So Nim says it really clearly there. So. That really bugs me uh, when people do that. Um, sometimes they'll do it after pit stops. So it doesn't affect most everybody because they've already stopped. Um, but it does affect those people that are stopping every time by to try to get repairs done. And they're going to get black flags. And that's what's going on. So even that is protestable. And you'll be uh, sitting out for a while. I've never done it. I've never done that. only experienced it one time and uh, it seemed that he was close enough to pay to pit road that it was detecting him on pit road so it didn't cause a problem for for the sim but the people in, in the race were different definitely talking about it huh yeah I've, I've experienced that before and uh it's it's not fun to get black flagged for something stupid like that and you're like yelling over the radio, but he's gone to the bathroom or whatever, or fetching a beer is probably more likely, you know. Um, especially in the longer races, this this does happen. All right, let's move on. <clears throat> Next one is a post from Kevin Bobbitt in the <clears throat> Red Bull Global Rally Crossing. Uh, com- uh, excuse me, Global Rally coming soon. He says, uh, the VW Beetle car will be free to all members. The Ford Fiesta car will be available to purchase. Both of these are in the supercars class. There are no current plans for a lights car. So there you have it. We're all getting the VW Beetle for free. That's awesome. Rally Cross seems a little light on content, but I'm sure they'll be just like dirt, and they'll really start to hammer it out once it goes live and once everything's working. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how dirt started. I mean, there was uh, one or two cars when they started and a couple tracks, and then they built on it real quick. All right, what's next? 
Hardware, next, software section. Next, we go down to the hardware. A uh, sequential shifter from Ford Entertainment Group. Uh, there's a little YouTube video, just a short video about the mechanical aspects of it, showing it in in motion and showing how stiff they they make those, showing kind of the, the mechanics behind it. Yeah, um, very interesting uh, little sequential shifter. It looks really robust. Um, I kind of like the look of it. I actually uh, asked him on a comment on the YouTube video, uh, hey, do you have a website or what, you know? He says, no, not really. Uh, he has a Facebook business page. Uh, he does plan on making one, however, but as of now, nothing yet. Uh, somewhere else he commented, I don't, I can't find it right now. Oh, let me look here. Yeah, but anyway, he said that he basically is buying these in bulk from some vendor from Europe, and then he's going to try to resell them here. And so... He thinks there's going to be a need for him with the global rally cross. And so he was uh, trying to drum support on his Facebook page. Um, and his Facebook page was uh, called Ford Entertainment Group. And if you search that on Facebook, you'll find him. Uh, but uh, his video is actually on YouTube. If you search that same name, you'll find his channel. Uh, kind of interesting little uh, shifter. And I wonder what kind of price point it's going to have. But really not a lot of information. So stay tuned to that one. Uh, next up, somebody was posting up a thread earlier today. Hey, all you crew chiefs and spotters out there, what do you use for race management software? And uh, the obvious answer was Joel Real Timing, J-O-E-L. If you Google that, you will find it, and uh, I use it on my laptop. It's on a 24-inch uh, touchscreen below my center and right monitor, kind of behind the gear shift, and I run it there every time I race, all the time. It's very, very useful. Um, it's color-coded. It shows splits. It's what I call Formula One-style timing and scoring, and... Um, it updates very quickly. It has lots of good information on it that can be helpful to you as you're going through a race. And if you're a spotter or crew chief, and I didn't really think about that until I saw this thread. We've talked about Joel Real Timing many times on this podcast. It's probably my favorite third-party software. and um, But it really could be good for a spotter or a crew chief if they're watching the race and they're able to get Joel Real Timing at the same time, uh, they can use that to help them do what their job is, you know, to work on the car or, or spot, uh, give gap times, you know, to your driver, uh, that kind of stuff. I did a little spotting earlier this week for one of our recruits, and this would have been invaluable. I, I never even thought about what JRT can do when you're looking at it from a spotter crew chief perspective, uh, the original poster here said he was clicking through, having to check what their last lap of each driver was, having to click through to see their lap history. And hey, yeah, I was doing that. <laughs> I was getting getting a little workout, switching to all the different tabs and learning where everything was at, trying to get the information where JRT would put it all on one screen for me. It's real easy to implement. I mean, all you need is an old laptop or old uh, device, an old tablet uh, would work. Uh, not an iPad, but like an Android tablet would work. Um, I suppose an iPad could work if you were using it on the browser. But So that what you're seeing when you look at Joel Real Timing, that's just a browser. That's Google Chrome. And um, so you can run it on the PC that you're running the SIM on and put it like on your fourth monitor. A lot of people do that. Uh, and you just run it in the, in a browser. Or you can do it like I'm doing and run it on a laptop that's on the same network as the SIM computer. So I'm literally running it on a different computer. And it's running Google Chrome on the laptop down below my triples. And that's what it, and I go full screen with Google Chrome with the F11 key. 
And uh, it's awesome. It's full screen timing and scoring. And uh, there's a lot of different things that Joel Real Timing does that I haven't really got into. But uh, I was looking at the website earlier today. They have some pretty cool features that I might need to dig a little bit deeper into. Um, it's got a virtual button box, apparently, a dashboard thing, uh, calculator, um, some kind of uh, where it shows a uh, the circuit, you know, and where everybody is on the on the map, so to speak, and how far away they are, you know, as little dots on the road. It's got all kinds of stuff, and uh, I only use it for the one thing. And so uh, it's got a lot of different things. Check it out. It's pretty cool. Uh, like I said, one of my favorites. Okay. Next up, I have the next one. Um, there was a discussion about surround sound or regular old stereo with left or right speakers. Uh, somebody was asking about, you know, what's the best way to go? Um, David Tucker from iRacing uh, piped in and said, the big issue with stereo is the rear speakers. They need to be placed the same distance from your head as the front speakers to keep the volumes matched. This usually means several feet behind your chair, and that can be difficult to manage. Most people put them on the headrest of their chair, but that's really not the best idea. And I saw that, and I was thinking, boy, you know, I almost did that. I have this Obato cockpit, and they actually sell a little kit that would give you a mounting bar on the back of the chair uh, right behind your head where you can mount little surround sound speakers. And it was a thing that they offer, you know, as a accessory for the cockpit. And I really almost bought that. I'm kind of glad I didn't because David's actually right. Uh, it wouldn't be appropriate to have those right next to your ears. You wouldn't be able to hear the front ones correctly. Uh, the other thing that uh, this thread made me think about was there was another part of it where he said you got to make sure if in the sim when you go to sound settings there's a check mark that says surround sound and you should not have that checked if you're only running two speakers and so guess what I did I opened the sim I launched it I looked at my settings and I had it checked and I'm running two speakers and so I uncheck that today, and I'm kind of curious to see what what is, is you know is it going to sound differently now that I'm uh, when I go into a race. And so I'll report back next week, I guess. All right, what's next? Next, we have a little app called Dash Meter Pro it turns your Android device into a highly customizable racing digital dash. I think we've seen a couple different apps apps like this, uh, but these are looking pretty close to some of the real NASCAR dashes or uh, F1 dashes that you see uh, just available on your, on your smartphone. Uh, it's compatible with iRacing, uh, R-Factor 2, Race Room Experience, a set of Corsa, Project Cars, uh, they have different apps available that that go with all those different games, uh, but it is an Android app, not available on iPhone. So I wasn't able to give this a try. Yeah, I have I don't an iPhone have myself. Either. <laughs> but from the pictures, I I can see the the color coding. It has the dots uh, showing your RPM RPM meter and when to shift. Uh, it's pretty pretty clear with the customizable fonts and dials, and uh, it looks pretty slick. It does, and if I had an Android phone, I'd be all over this. So I thought we kind of talk about all these different Dash programs today, and this is one of them that people use. So it's uh, sensadigit.com, S-E-N-S-A digit.com, and uh, you can check it out if you have an Android phone. The next one we'll talk about is called Z1 Dashboard, and this is what I have. I actually run this on my big 55 inch 4k television on the wall right above my rig and uh, on that 55 inch I have the team speak window in addition I have the iSpeed fuel calculation window 
but then the rest of the screen is dedicated to five different version uh, instances of the Z1 dashboard. And uh, on those, I have a variety of things. Uh, one of them is the normal RPM gauge with temperature gauge for the oil and the water temp and all that stuff, uh, RPMs. Uh, and then several others, uh, one that shows a track map, another one that shows uh, like a timing and scoring kind of thing or splits, uh, split times and uh, all kinds of different uh, stuff. There's a G, uh, G-force meter shows how much g-force you're going you're uh getting at the moment and when i'm racing i do glance up at it mainly to look at the oil temp and that's really what i'm looking for when i look at z1 dashboard now the other stuff is kind of fluff it's kind of like eye candy it's kind of like if somebody walks in my office it gives them something cool to look at too like the g-force meters a blast to kind of watch as you go around the track and see, wow, that corner was two G's and this one's three, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, but I highly recommend it. There's a, f- a free version and a paid version. The paid version is a monthly fee, and that's why I didn't like that. But there's people out there that do it, and they do regular updates. Uh, every few weeks they put out new dashes and they update, you know, fixes and different things like that. And it's not too expensive. The uh, pay version is $25. And then if you subscribe for $2 a month, you get all the future updates. Or you can choose not to subscribe and just purchase the individual updates at $14 each. Yeah, I just bought the initial entry. That's what I bought. I did, I, what is it, 25 bucks for the first time? Yes, sir. Right, so 25 I spent $25 on this. It was. I highly recommend it. If you have a, a monitor to run it on, now I understand you can run it on all other devices. Now I'm running it on the same computer I'm running the sim on, just on a my fourth monitor, which is a big big one on the wall. You can run it on a laptop or uh, tablets and other devices that are on the network. So um, just like Joel Real Timing, so pretty cool. Um, they have. And their dashes are really good. They have ones that really replicate the NASCAR look and style. They have the old style NASCAR one. That's the kind of one I run with uh, traditional gauges. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. And it does a lot of stuff, again, that I haven't really dug into. It has telemetry, statistics. It's got some kind of uh, voice control thing that I haven't even touched and it does all kinds of stuff. So, uh, I'm just using it as a dashboard. All right. What's next? Next Fanatech posted that we finally got approval to start the pre-orders of the CSL elite racing wheel in the USA and Canada. And the first shipments are on the way as well. The CSL elite racing wheel. Elite Racing Wheel is coming in at $479.95 and the CSL Elite Starter Kit at $499.95. So new Fanatec products that are coming. Yeah, I don't know what the difference is between a $20 difference, but I I would assume you get the more expensive one. But uh, yeah, it's coming, boys. The Elite Racing Wheel by Fanatec. It looks nice. They have a little video here as well and, uh, you know, kind of showing it off and how they're put it together and stuff. It's got uh, PlayStation style buttons on the inside uh, scopes of the wheel. I like the base too. It's kind of lower profile. It's not too tall, but it's still like metal and big and kind of robust. So it works on PS4, works on PC. And uh, a lot of people, there's a forum post, and yeah, there's a lot of people excited about it. Looks like they're going to get some sales. Pretty cool. Uh, Next up, I 
ran across an old thread, and I think I've talked about this in the past, but thought I'd bring it up again since we're talking about all this hardware stuff. The do-it-yourself wind simulator. Yes, there is a thread. It's over on isrtv.com. If you search that, you'll see it. And uh, boy, this thread has lots of pictures and videos and descriptions about how to build it, how to make one. And uh, it's pretty cool how he's got it set up. He's got these little motors that blow the, the air, hooked to hoses that come up above the wheel and kind of blow towards him. And he's got it uh, wired to a little circuit board that plugs into the computer, you know, that gets a signal that controls how much these, the wind blows out of these things based on your speed. Pretty cool stuff. I mean, I'm not handy enough to build something like this. I always wonder if there's going to be somebody who, like, actually uh, creates a product that can be, you know, mass-produced and uh, sold. And I have yet to see anything like that. Yeah, this definitely, just looking from the pictures, it takes some electrical engineering know-how to uh, to get this assembled. But uh, I know for some people that is the exciting part about building rigs, to be able to put the, these things together and to add every element of realism they can. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, there's the videos and everything. Um, and you're right, it is complicated. And, and there's some people that don't race much, but they build cockpits <laughs> they build stuff for cockpits and that's really the fun part for some people is the hardware side of it you know building the computer putting everything together that kind of thing all right what's next next there's a facebook post from diysim.com a simcraft company uh, doing field testing for our universal mount motion platform. Yes, any cockpit you have at home can be mounted to it to add motion. Hashtag game changer. And I can agree with that. It's amazing, uh, this video, uh, what they've built here. And you know what? My cockpit that I have right now well, probably not my triple monitor stand. It's too dang flimsy. But my Obutto cockpit would work with this, would be compatible with this. What it is, is it looks like it's like a, I don't know, a 4 by 8 flat platform. And you put the cockpit on top of that. And it has movement. And it's got, basically it looks like it's got a, it's on a pedestal in the center of that flat surface and it spins kind of on that pedestal so the rear end will kick back and forth uh kind of thing and give you that traction loss feel and so the front of the cockpit will also go left to right so the back will go left and right and the front will go left and right as it pivots on the center thing You know, as he goes around a corner, it kind of jostles him to the right or to the left, you know. And uh, pretty cool. I, it's a neat concept for motion cockpits that I have yet, I've never seen this before. This is brand new. Subtle yet effective. It does look effective. That's what I'm saying. It gives you that, that feeling of traction loss, you know. Now, the big uh, sim the motion sims out there like the uh, sim experience one that has kind of the uh, shocks on the back of the seat that kind of replicate the same feel those are expensive and this is looks like it could be a uh, a very affordable alternative to that yeah very exciting about that um I don't have any information about buying it or anything like that. Uh, it looks like it's a work in progress kind of thing. Uh, they were at Sebring uh, 
and they had it set up there for people to try, apparently. So that's where the video came from. All right, next up, our highest I-rating driver on the service, Ty Majeski. Once again, showing off his awesome rig and cockpit wheel computer setup. Oh, actually, he's got a tiny little 11-inch laptop, a cheap one it looks like, a little 4-inch fan, uh, and a G27, and a desk. And it's sitting on top of rolls of duct tape. How can you forget that part? Ty right. Majeski, the highest I rating person, is playing off a computer sitting on top of a roll of duct tape. Yep. Well, he keeps it simple. I mean, so it's funny how we just talked about the wind simulators and the motion cockpits and all this other stuff. Yet here's this guy who does literally the opposite of that. It's like you couldn't be more simpler than this. He gets it done. It's like, what am <laughs> well, I doing wrong? You get well, me every time with these setups from Ty. Well, I tell you what, you know, he he's on to something. Because in real life racing, he's getting it done. He ran the ARCA race at Kansas. And the Kansas 150. And uh, P2. P2. Unbelievable. He ran with Cunningham Racing. Um, they had to make a motor change uh, after eight laps of practice. And they were able to, you know, qualify P2 and finish, excuse me, qualify P3 and finish P2. So, uh, almost got the win there. Uh, later in the week, he goes uh, back to the 99 car uh, super late and wins. Uh, He says, in victory lane once again with iRacing right there with me. Can't thank them enough for the support and skill sharpening tools. Uh, so super, yeah, I think it's a super late model car there he won in. Um, but the kid is amazing. I mean, he wins every time we talk about him. It's crazy. Put this guy in NASCAR already. All right, let's go into final topic. What do you got? There's a YouTube video of Max Verstappen uh, going through with kind of an iRacing spotter overlay. Pr pretty funny, entertaining stuff. <laughs> yeah, I had to laugh when I saw that. It's a real short video. It's you know, if you didn't know, uh, in the Formula One race this week at uh, Texas. Max Verstappen, who's a, quite an iRacer himself, in the Red Bull car, made a uh, last lap pass on Kimi Raikkonen, and he kind of cut the course a little bit. Um, just enough that he actually got penalized post-race by Formula One. And so somebody created up a little video that and overlaid that iRacing spotter saying, you have cut the course. You must uh, you know, let them pass, or whatever it says. It's hilarious. But, uh, yeah, good stuff. That was kind of funny. All right, let's jump into final thoughts. Jason Daniels, thanks for coming today. What do you got? Not a problem. Time to take it to Martinsville. Very, very brutal, very, very precise short track. Uh, it's amazing to me that I kind of started back in April when I thought the season was too far gone, and little did I know the season was just beginning, and actually kind of brings it a little full circle. I've been doing this six months. It doesn't feel like I've been doing this six months. Uh, so I guess I'm reminiscing on the past and really looking forward to the future, just knowing that i got a lot of tracks under my belt now, a lot of experience, been having a great time doing the podcast with you, and uh, try to get some good success at Martinsville this week. Yeah, absolutely. Podcast has been fun. Uh, we're building the team. We're still recruiting. Uh, we got another guy uh, in the wings, so to speak, that we're uh, going to be bringing on and uh, looking for a couple more. So uh, bring it on, people. If you guys are interested, hit me up and uh, 
we'll talk about getting you on Tefosi Racing if you like to race the same stuff we do. Don't bother if you're not running the same stuff we're running. But, uh, yeah, we're trying to put a, a little bit more people on the team. We want to make a run on the 24 hours of Daytona race probably. Uh, you know, we're obviously running NASCAR iRacing Series, Road to Pro, that kind of stuff. Uh, and I also want to throw out a welcome to any of our previous team drivers that have been on this team. There's been quite a history of people that have come through Tafosi Racing and maybe thought the grass was greener or something along those lines and moved on. Well, I want to make a, a personal shout-out to all those people. You're welcome back, man, so hit me up. Uh, we'd love to have you all back. Uh, you know, we're a good group here right now. we got a great group going, and uh, we, we're looking for more. So, like I said, we're growing. Um, let us know. As far as the podcast, uh, we're coming up on episode 100. Unbelievable. I think this is 97 or 98. But, uh, yeah, maybe we'll have to figure out something special for 100. But, boy, it's coming. I think that's really a, a milestone for any podcast, uh, let alone one about iRacing. Uh, so, congrats to everybody who's been involved with me along the way. Thank you, Jason, for your contributions. And everybody else who has... Uh, even I've had other people hosting this too, and uh, Alan Pajari, who started uh, this podcast, uh, shout out to him as well. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, the Google Play Store, Spreaker, uh, you name it. Oh, uh, Podbean is another one. Everywhere you can get a podcast, you can find iRacers Lounge. So get out there and get it, guys. And with that... We'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.